<laughs> it was a good trial run. It gave you gave you a practice of setting of setting all this stuff up and everything else. Yeah. But um, you can always keep the content and do it again later yeah. after you've practiced. Well, as I practice isn't the right word, but after after you've done a couple of shall we say not not so inflammatory topics. Yeah. That again uh, attract the leftist hate mob. All right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. How's the, how's, the, how's the audio and everything? I sounding? think the audio is good. Um, yep. I can hear you. I can hear myself. Cool, cool. And we got, we've tested it out already. Yeah. So I think we're happy to go. So welcome to episode one of The Fire in the Desert. Um, looking at a topic of do we have the right to know uh, and the media and the law. I'm hitting here with um, Patrick. How are you going? Yeah, doing all right. How's it going? Good. Around November last year, I attended a free event advertised as Politics in a Pub, The Cost of Free Speech. I was hoping to listen to some of the critiques of self-censorship and political correctness in Australia, but I walked away pretty disappointed. I think what I took away from intersectional ideology on power differences, I think what I took away was intersectional ideology on power differences, which was looking at the institutional power and voice of the government. I was very skeptical of the mainstream media and hardly get my news from traditional means, that is, television, radio, and newspaper. I was seeking news online from a variety of sources that would include major broadcasting companies and other from the internet startups. Why? Because that's how I was taught. That's cool. When you examine an issue, you are told to look at both sides of the argument and av- avoid just one voice. You can hold a bias or position, but you need to properly address the opposition and stand your ground. So nowadays, the journalistic standards are dropping. They'll put a label against you, which will justify some of the vitriol they'll throw against you. So they won't even consider you have any merit in your position. So I'll go back to the event. So there was four speakers. There okay. was uh, one, uh, Karen Coggill, a First Nation or Aboriginal activist. Two, Professor Graham Orr, a law professor. Three, Jonathan Sri, a local Greens councillor who supported the climate emergency protests last year in 2019. And four, Peter Greste, a reporter who was jailed in Egypt. So I'll talk, I'll introduce you about the, the Right to Know campaign and its recency. So yeah, please. in 2019, there was a, a incident where uh, ABC brought up the, a leak to the public about the SAS, Special Air Services, committing war crimes in Afghanistan. That's right. Uh, and, and so as a result, they had the AFP, the Australian Federal Police, kick down the doors, or they say it's kicked down the doors, but all they did was just walk up and show them the warrant and then... Uh, have a technician to come in and download all the inf- necessary information. And it was also uh, a search of the journalists who released the, the news and they went through all the computers. So right. there was concern about, you know, my, as a journalist, what are your sources and whether those sources now compromise? So if you're going to do any whistleblowing in the future, mm-hmm. there is no guarantee that that person will be protected because That's you right. know that the AFP will come in and, there, there is the and, that and the government un- can step in and, and yeah, and look into uh, the leaks. Mm. Now, in this in, in this case, um, it was about national security. Mm. Now it's national defense because it was current operation. Well, it was operations back in uh, two thousand and I believe it's two thousand twelve. Okay, and, and trying to investigate th- that area, but that was an operation uh, by by our country, and it's also its national interest. So mm. there's not. The AFP isn't kicking down doors all the time, mm. but in this particular area, they did. This is just a scenario where um, the, the government felt that the, or the federal police rather felt that it was um, it was necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, I think it was probably ref- mm. forwarded to them like a few years ago under mm. the Labor government. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, mm. I think it's, it's easy to associate the federal police with the federal government. They've got federal in the name, but they're yeah. two separate entities. 
the federal police don't act like a like a secret police service for the government of the day. Yeah. So that's not that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Two and, separates. And so like this this event called Politics mm. in a Pub, the cost of freedoms of free speech, mm. was then targeting Pro- that very area. Provo- very provocative title. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be like there's a narrative, mm. the the media's having this narrative, and so you know I can't say what I want to say, mm. and uh, you have to toe the line, otherwise you get suppressed. But mm. in in this case, they were saying, look at this, um, you know, the federal government is stepping in, they're suppressing uh, journalism, mm. and all that stuff, and, and so you know the host, you know, the host of that, the uh, your right to know, mm. uh, sorry, the host of that event was an ABC. Um, uh, staff worker right and, and she set the scene with you know this is your right to know and described the campaign led by the abc chairman Ida, Ida buttrose that's right and uh this campaign kicked mm. off in uh yeah it kicked off in 2019 and yeah. and, and so it's still ongoing mm. um but what i'll do is i'll play a, f- a few sound clips sure, sure. and i'll get you to uh critique on that one mm. and all the audio the, there is some audio um issues with on their side so it'll go down and go up but the rest of it, apart from the first clip, uh, is playing all right. So I'll play the first one, which is when she, the host opens it. And I'm, I might just kick off by quoting some of the things that Ida Buttrose said. And we want this to be a dynamic conversation tonight, so I'm going to get a little bit of audience interaction straight up. I just want you to respond in whichever way you feel comfortable. You can snort, you can jeer, you can smile, you can clap, agree, disagree with just a couple of statements from my boss, the chair of the ABC, Ida Buttrose. One of the things she said is, journalists have always been keepers of secrets. We can be trusted. Is not going to go away. Oh, a bit of a slow clap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. She was asked, how do you find truth in in a sea of information? Ida Buttrose said, watch the ABC. Well, that's not too bad. That's all right. <laughs> Someone said, how do you support the Right to Know campaign? Ita said, write a letter to the government. Hmm. All right. We might have to G you up as we get along tonight. Uh, and that's, that's it. So, that's the so, clips. Okay. Uh, so that was the first clip. And I was in that audience. Okay. When, when you hear that, it, yeah. it was... 50-50. It wasn't like, oh, hey, let's clap her. But it, was, it, was, well, so it, t- it certainly sounded like a very lively audience. So. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I think some of them were struggling to convince themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, even though she said, oh, look, we're going to champion, we're the champions, mm. we're the journalists who, yeah. who are out there to uh, protect your freedom mm. of speech and to be out the out champions of investi- truth. Investigating, trying to uncover the truth for you, yeah, for, you the, for the public. Yeah. Like, um, it doesn't didn't sound like they were buying it very much. No, but to have that I guess, attitude that we're the guardians of the truth. Mm. We're come to us, the media, to learn, to, to know, know what need, you need to know. Yeah. Come to us for information. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think traditional media sources have certainly been threatened, especially over the last five, six, ten years, thereabouts, um, especially with startups, podcasts, um, YouTube, um, Facebook. It's, it's eroded a lot of their, their power, their influence. Um, of people's opinions, um, yeah. so there's a, there's a there's a threat there that they are, that they're trying to get around. Mm. But I, I think it's why should we trust them as the gatekeepers of truth? Well, if any, if if it's easy to do that because here is here is the daily newspaper, here is the stuff you need that here is the current affairs you need to know. It's easy to get that information, but 
if you're taking your information, if you're getting your your if your source of truth comes from either the ABC, Channel Nine, Channel Seven, or any one particular one source that's there, um, you're not you're not doing it right. I wasn't convinced when yeah. she said we're the guardians of the truth, or no. we're, we're we hold the you know we are the gateway to transparency for yeah. the government. Um, I think you, yes, it is, but mm. I think it's sort of. Devolve. I think there is a narrative that the media, the mainstream media holds, which is blurring the truth. Oh, of course. And what was interesting is that, oh, what do you do when to support a right to know campaign? Mm. Write a letter to the government. Oh, mm. so let's get more government involved when the fact is that government is controlling. Yeah. Well, they're accusing the government of controlling freedom of speech. Mm. So how can they write to your letter to the government? Yeah. Oh. Well, the, how do you put it? Regardless of who, whichever media source you choose, whether they are centrist, left, right, or anything in between that, you're going to get your, your, your news comes from another human being behind a keyboard or um, behind a microphone. Um, that person, that human being has a, has a political bias, a way that they see the world, um, a way that their, their worldview is oriented. That, um, that, that essentially is the definition of what we call bias, and you can't get around that. Um, for someone to then say, trust me because I am unbiased, I will give you the truth, that is, that is not, that is actually not true by its very definition because that human being can't get around their level, their, their, their innate biases. Yeah. I think everyone has their bias. It's, mm. let's be transparent about it. Yeah. And say, look, we do admit we're a little bit to the left. And here's how we're going to resolve it mm. by making it open to you, making yeah. it free to be judged. And rather than keeping pushing down this narrative, yeah. we'll give you the facts, just the facts. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll move yeah. on to the second one. Please. And this is uh this is Jonathan Sri, the the Greens councillor, and mm. and his uh discussion. And, and I think I've I noticed a little theme in here. I'm not sure okay. you can pick it up. I was just going to say. I mean, I don't think we've ever had free speech for the most marginalised members of society. And I'm thinking particularly First Nations peoples, but people of colour, people on lower incomes, people who don't have access to the same education and um, opportunities that, like, we talk about the liberal tradition of free speech, but that's always been um, somewhat curtailed and limited to certain groups. And I think, as I said before, it's, it's, it's really about power. Um, we can have those theoretical rights and, th and abstract legal protections, but if in practice there are major power imbalances in society, that doesn't always count for as much. And I, it was interesting for me in the, recently the last wave of climate protests um, I was getting contacted by quite a few public servants who were saying, oh, John, I really support the cause, wish we could be out there, but I'm worried that if I come along, I'll lose my job. I'm worried that even if I share a post on social media or click like on one of your posts, I'll, be, I'll, I'll get in trouble with my boss. So they weren't even doing that. But those are still people who have full-time jobs and some level of privilege in society. Um, and so it's, I think it's interesting to reflect on the fact that we might have... We, it's always like journalists who feel like, oh, they're attacking our free speech. And it's, it's only once we get to the point of even the journalists start feeling attacked and besieged that we really start having in-depth conversations about this stuff. But maybe it's worth reflecting on the fact that some groups in society have never had free speech, as Karen was saying. Yeah. So I'm not sure you picked up on a theme there. There was, there was a theme on, on identity groups. Yep. And there was a theme on power. power. Yeah. And I was just... <sighs> It happens on the fringes of both the left and the right that I've that I've seen. I've observed this. That um, it's this quest to be the victim. It's the quest to be the underdog, the small guy, who is punching up against David versus Goliath. That's that sort of idea. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think um, 
to his credit, he does mm-hmm. identify that marginalized people don't mm-hmm. have a voice. But the reason they don't have a voice is not because it's the AFP suppressing them or the government suppressing them. It's no. they don't have the reach. They still can say whatever they want yeah. up freely, open on the web, but they don't have the reach. They don't have the the tools to put the message and make it publicly as put, in well, well, uh, around the world or yeah. around the country. Yeah, make that project that message out to the world. Sure. Whereas. What they were talking about is mm. it's all about the power, and, and so when he talks about the journalists, you know, being afraid, mm. it's like, well, no, I mean, because the journalist is still out there; she's not in jail. Yeah. <laughs> no, all the all, again, this is this is a circum, this is this individual um, instance that the ABC or the ABC has latched onto, and gone. This is indicative of a wider pattern now. I would I would argue the ABC would have um, would have a valid argument or a valid case to make and a, and a valid grievance if the AFP or by by um by proxy the government was writing let's say the government was writing hypothetically was writing legislation that was um, forcing journalists to hand over their sources or forcing them to submit their articles for approval or um, or vetting before publishing if that if that was happening then the ABC I would. And I would be happy, happy to support the ABC in their argument, in the case they're putting forward, that the government is um, curtailing their rights to um, to free press. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think But what, that's not but again, that's a hypothetical. And yeah. that's that's actually not what's happening here. Yeah, so so what I'm think what I'm thinking they're trying to see is mm. I see freedom of speech as are you being suppressed in your speech? Mm. I can say whatever I want yeah. without the consequences. Yeah. Right. But they're saying it as freedom of speech is your ability to project. And because you're marginalized, you don't have the money or you're a person that's not a part of the main, mm. main group in those, so, uh, in, in those groups, you don't have freedom of speech, which is incorrect. That's what I, I think they're, so that's where their assumption is wrong. So, the, so freedom of speech is tied, the idea is that your freedom of speech is tied to the size of your platform, the size of, um, how many people you can you can influence with your voice? Yeah, so that's what yeah. they think, and yeah. that's how they link it with power. Yeah. Because if I have power, then I can project my my voice out more. Of course, and then, but, and that, but that's and not that, freedom of speech. That's yeah. just your ability to project. And that, and that's the Rupert Murdoch boogie, boogeyman that yeah. you, that we often hear about. Um, it's like these big, well, big powerful corporations that are projecting a particular message. I'd actually argue the a- the ABC is a publicly funded organization they have plenty of reach they have they have plenty of power yeah um plen- plenty of influence to shape the minds of the australian people um i think this is a matter of you've got two two different um factions competing with each other yeah. and, and i think the fact that i can get this i can get this event mm. free from the internet yeah. online is not being deleted it's not being bleeped out of course not means that they have freedom of speech yeah it's just that it's not getting as many likes and it's not getting as much shares and it's not mm-hmm. getting um, is projected that, as much as what, but it's still, well, it's still I, freedom of speech. Like I'd there's st- no I'd one. Conten- I'd contend, is it not getting shares and likes because not enough ordinary Australians are interested or, or agree? Yeah. Is that, is that the problem that they, that they haven't been able to convince or influence enough people? Is, that's a question. Is that, is that what the problem is? But would you say that that, that event, Mm. They're being suppressed. Of course not. Yeah. No. 
Um, it's it, again hypothetically, it's a very different story if the government or the AFP, if we want to use them, storm the event and shut it down because you are your speech is running counter to the narrative that the government is projecting. Yeah. So do it, you remember? So hmm. in 2019, this was this was occurring. Yeah. Remember in 2019, what was happening? There was a Hong Kong protest. That's right. Yeah. And they had literally had the government stepping in. Absolutely, yeah. And, it, and Which it is a people- very different from what Australia's are mm. experiencing. No one's coming into, I mean, there, there's probably people removing them from the roads when they're doing the climate emergency, oh, but that's course. totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, fun, the funny thing with the funny thing with the climate protest was their, their big argument, their, their, their central argument was climate change is bad. Cars are pollu- causing, extra, causing pollution. Um, we need to stop cars being on the road. So what is their brilliant idea? Keep cars on the road for an extended period of time um, to, just, to annoy, annoy people, get people to start paying attention, but keep pumping fossil fuels into the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it certainly inspired a lot of young, uni- uh, young university students to get passionate about the issue, but it wasn't productive. No. Um, it- I, I, would, I would contend if you want to save the, if you want to save the planet, every single one of those protesters, go plant a tree. Literally, you would do 10 times as much um, benefit to the environment than standing there causing a disturb- the disturbance that was caused. Yeah. I mean, and now no one's talking about it right now. I oh, mean, of course. it's in the background, but because everyone's now talking about corona. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's the, it's the next. It, this, is the pro- this is the problem with the uh, daily news cycle. Oh, wait. Before you go into that, yes. I think you might be jumping the gun. So I've got a third clip, which I think identifies a problem. So they did talk about it. Is that your sense, Peter Grester, of how the media and politics, mainstream media and politics in Australia works? Um, Okay, I haven't worked in Australian journalism for a long time. I've been watching it and observing it from the outside. I I, I mean, I think there's a... The reason I'm struggling to answer this is that it's not a a sort of conscious, necessarily conscious, Mm. consciously designed system. Mm. Um, I'm not as cynical as, as that but there is a symbiosis that exists. And part of it is because of the poverty that the media is, is struggling with at the moment. The fact that there is no, um, that the business models are broken and we don't have journalists who have the experience or the contacts. We don't have journal- news organizations with the resources just to send a journalist off for a week um, on, a, on an investigation without having to produce stuff on a, on a, on a daily basis. And so it's very, very difficult for journalists to operate with the kind of um, independence that, that they really need. It also means that they tend to be more reliant on, on political leaks. Type that and on media releases. And on media releases, exactly. And so it's not necessarily that, there, that we have this kind of grand conspiracy um, of a relationship between politicians and news organisations. I don't believe that there's anybody, any evil sort of genius who sat down there and and decided to design this system. But for a whole host of of structural reasons that we haven't necessarily understood until until fairly recently, we've seen these changes have, have the effect of stifling a lot of legitimate journalism and, and, and stopping the media from, org- from operating in the way that it should in a healthy democracy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the end of that clip. So I think what we tried to say last time was that there is... They're not trying to say the, con- there's a conspiracy between journalism and media. In fact, I disagree with that. I think that journalism 
the journalists are actually against the mainstream media. Oh, sorry, the journalists are against the government nowadays. Mm. They're always attacking this particular government. Whereas, you know, under Labour, it was always, or under Barack Obama, it was always the, he's such an angel, or they're, well, they're the saviors. But there's also another bit there, which I'm trying to get at, is, mm. is the, why is the media putting out this news? Is mm. there's the business model, the outdated business model, which is unable to yeah. compete with social media. Yeah. Well, so they're the out wor- there to complete with clicks. Sorry, it, it's without it's without doubt that the world has gone through quite a quite a significant and fundamental amount of change in how we get our get our information, we get our news, um, in how in in how we get our news. Uh, you we, you started the conversation off saying that you get your news from a variety of sources, including online. Um, traditional Peter Gwester is in one respect he is correct where he is he's looking at the situation going yes the the way that news is the journalists have worked in the past quite comfortably it's forcing them to keep up with the day with the daily news cycle yeah um, so they don't have enough news so they got to go for the clickbait right yeah that's right and so like what he was trying to say is oh we don't have the money to do the old traditional school traditional mm. investigation yeah. but i think that's where they're supposed to go for mm. to provide that sort of in-depth kind of thing like I don't really like to watch Four Corners, but there's a level of journalism which is which they can provide, which mm. the social media can cannot. Mm. And, and so, you know, social media is one click on Facebook, and they already got the, you know, a, in, within the first paragraph, you already understand what the gist of it. Yeah. And then sometimes we go into all the opinion stuff, mm. but you know, because they're using the still using the old outdated business model, they're able to put out stuff. Rely on the journal. Without, mm. Sorry, we're relying on the government, relying on the leaks, mm. or, or relying on media press releases, mm. and unable to really do a proper uh, media in-depth in in-depth analysis. Break down, break down a complex issue, and examine and take take the time to examine the issue from the different perspectives. Take yeah. take it from someone from the right, from the left, from the middle, and then allow the reader. Or the listener to make up their own mind, but that takes t- that takes time, yeah. and it's apparent. Well, it's apparent from Peter Grester's point of view, they're not that journalists today don't want don't want to either are not willing or no no longer want to or unable to to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll play the last one, and yeah. it is I think you might have heard it before, but mm. I think it just summarized what when I walked away with. Yeah, right, here we go. That's not going to be a winner for him politically. He's going to come up soon and talk about issues of of small businesses who might have been allegedly laid upon by environmental activists and so on. But um, I grew up in a small business background, um, so I I can see that there are power differentials sometimes there, but uh, we also have discrimination laws uh, that can apply, so it is a complex area. And I I think what you touched on there is exactly right, which is that the the Prime Minister will work very hard to say that this is about protecting small businesses from the big mean activists. Actually, it's about protecting big businesses from comparatively weak and disempowered activists. But the philosophical justification for going after businesses as part of the secondary boycott is, is partly that you're saying this issue is so important that you can't not pick a side. You can't just sit on the fence and keep building the gas chambers for the Nazis 
you have to actually say, no, we are not going to work with that company or that government because they are so unethical. And I think that's important to remember here is that we're not talking about abstract issues that are... We're talking about literally decisions to drown billions of people in third world countries. I'm not even... I'm only exaggerating a little bit there. So I'm like, I, I think it, I obviously feel some sympathy for when businesses get caught in the middle of this stuff. But um, the issues that, that we're talking about here are, are really big and important. So you want to play that again, or you play which part? Just no. before the <laughs> no, that that was um... topical justification for going <laughs> after businesses. Part of the secondary boycott is is partly that you're saying this issue is so important that you can't not pick a side. You can't just sit on the fence and keep building the gas chambers for the Nazis. You have to actually say no. We are not going to work with that company or that government. All right, all right. Okay. I think we got um, the point. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm surprised I, he's able to say that with a straight face and not laugh. I'm oh, I'm struggling to do that at the moment. It's ridiculous. I, um, I think it's um, it's mo- it's it's the highest order of moralizing. It's and it it hap- it happens a lot again on both side of both sides of politics are guilty of this of presenting their argument and then framing it within within a a moral framework um, by and by default saying. I am a moral. I am, my position, my argument, my idea is a moral good idea. Anyone who is opposed to it is immoral and evil by default. It's moralizing to the highest order. Um, now, the left and the right, both sides of politics, are guilty of this uh, frequently. They'll paint their political position through the lens through, through the lens of a, of a moral framework, and they'll say, and both of them will say. Our idea, my idea is moral and good, and I'm a moral and good person for fighting for this idea. Anyone who is opposed to it is, by default, an immoral, evil person. And you should consider them that. Um, it certainly is a lot more present and, uh, we'll say, vitriolic in the US. Um, less, so it, less so the mudslinging that happens in Australian politics. It still happens, though. Um, case in point of the sound clip we just heard. What... Which Australian corporation is actually building the the, the gas chambers for the Nazis? Um, I don't know. I think that's just. I'd, I I certainly would like. I tell you what, point it, point them out to me, and I will and I will I will join I will join the raving mob to go and stop them. Absolutely. Yeah, like I I walk away. I'm like stunned. Like I can't take anything that you said seriously because that's how you think um, corporations are. Like oh. I get it. There's, there's crony capitalists, and, and they were like, you know, the cause of the 2008 yeah. GFC. But mm. people, companies building gas chambers is, it's a spit in the face of the actual Holocaust survivors. Oh sure. And, and it's how can you say that? How can you say these people are Nazis? And then when a when a real general mm. Nazi comes in, like, what do you call them? Because you've already moved the the. The standard you, you, you've moved the goalpost so further, low further, that anyone further and further and further away to where the word has been diluted. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a lot, a lot, a lot of words that used to shock and used to have a great deal of significance and meaning. Uh, racist, for example, that word has been diluted so much, part and parcel to some of the. Um, to the comments that you see on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, these words are thrown around so loose, so freely and so loosely sometimes that they've lost their significance. Um, and, so, and some of these words should still have meaning. Absolutely. 
I've done some uh, research, and I think uh, these are some of the things that I want to get it to. So, yeah. you know, do we have a right to know, which is what this campaign's about? And in fact, if you're Australian, you already have some right to know. So you have the right to know what hazards you're exposed to in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So this is all safety laws. Mm-hmm. And what, what is affecting the environment around you? So environmental protection laws. So, you know, uh, there was a recent PFAS. There was, you know, chemical spills. You have the right to know if you live in the area what's happening to your environment. You, your employer has a duty to remind you or to inform you of the hazards, you know, slips, trips, fire, that's right, uh, smoke, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yep, and th- and those often those are often due to a, or the result of government legislation yep. that's been put in place to protect people. Absolutely, yeah, a good a good form a good exercise of form of government. And yeah. now we're extending that. Well, at least the ABC and the campaign is extending that to say you have the right to know every process within the government. You have like I get okay, I get it. Government has to be transparent, but yeah. there are certain things I think which we'll discuss later mm. on which shouldn't be, and, and so it comes down to, it's not freedom of speech versus non-freedom of speech. Mm. I think it's the old, um, is Aristotle and it says it's the competition of two vices. It is freedom of freedom versus security, mm. and so when you when you cry out to your government um, for security. You give them, you abdicate some of your will and yep. give them the power Absolutely. to enforce certain things. So you're yeah. giving up your freedom mm. for, you're trading that freedom in for security. That's right. Um, a, good, a good example, a bit of a, bit of a his, history point is um, the, Roman Re- the Roman Republic. So this was, um, this was Rome before, um, Ju- well, before Julius Caesar, before the emperors, uh, before the empire um, emerged, um, the Roman Empire. Um, the Roman Republic had the form of a dictat had the role the office of a dictator who would come in as it it almost flies in the face because we think of dictator as autocrat despot tyrant the roman the roman version of the dictator was essentially a, a, a an office that a person could hold and it was a, it was an office that was the person would come in for a limited space of time during a time of crisis the one and the one dictator that came in was one man named julius caesar he came in during a time of crisis, but he never left. He kept. He stayed on, partly because the people wanted him, but also he started writing laws that gave him more and more power and then became the autocrat, the tyrant, the despot that we often associate now with the word dictator. Yeah, so like the media cries out for, you know, we need the government to control us and we need the government to save us. Like right now, coronavirus, the government, they, they cry out the government to, to save them, you know. I know, the yeah, bailouts, but absolutely. Then, that ties in with future debt. Like, who's going to mm. pay that thousand? Who's going to pay that billion dollar package in the future? Yeah. You're trading in your future um, freedom, your future security yeah. for now. Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, and, and so there's and, a conundrum when you're actually seeking the government to, and, and to un, get and involved. And unfortunately, when you give the government power, they you will never get it back ever. Governments all throughout human history, when they've been given power by the people. They do not give it back ever. No, it it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it has never happened. I, I think it's there was a book. Is it called uh, Crisis Leviathan, which talks about this is ratchet effect. So mm. there's a growth of government over time when you get bigger and more complex issues, technology, um, social issues, mm. and and so when a crisis comes up, like you know, World War One, World War Two, depression, all that yeah. kind of stuff, they cry out to the government, mm. and so the the government established all these agencies. 
And then when a crisis uh, subsides, they never quite ramp down to yeah. pre-crisis times. That's right. So you have this ratchet. So once you go up, you can't really go back. That's right. And then you end up with this big bloated government mm. and all these controls and powers. And we're trying to figure out, why are you in charge of this? Mm. Well, turns out there were some legitimate grievances back in you know the crisis then. But we once the crisis is over, they, they still retain that thing. So it, it doesn't go back to pre-crisis. Yeah. No. And and that and that's the government not willing to give the power they've been given back to the people. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting that often if you are a part of the government, you're called a public servant. Public servant. That so I think that's a, I think that's a dead phrase now. It's a phrase that has no meaning anymore. Mm. Um, but it, it's it it's quite interesting that we've got this you've got this panel that's mostly filled with. Um, either ABC journalists or affiliated um, members of, of the ABC yeah. um, talking about these issues and they're speaking as if they are the victims. Yeah, from and, this point of victim and they talk about the power thing. And, and yeah. that's the thing, this obsession with power that they're talking about. Yeah. And I actually want to talk about that. But before we go on to the, the, the passage, I want to yeah. uh, sorry, the extract I want to mm. go. There's another bit. There's a, there's a grasping of our rights. You know, we want to focus on the legality rather than the intent and the purpose of law. So mm. um, there's another bit where to discuss, well, not this one, but in the Freedom of uh, Speech, Your Right to Know campaign, they talk about should it be protected in a Bill of Rights? Um, so the mainstream media will pick and choose. You know, the First Amendment of America is, you know, the freedom of speech, the freedom to expression, the freedom to gather around. Freedom of religion. Yep. Yeah. What's below that? The Second Amendment. That's and right. And we don't talk about that. No, of course not. In Australia. No, of course Which not. Which is what? Divide. The right, well, it's not just right to guns, the right to bear arms, the right to defend yourself. Yeah, as, from, a, as a well-established uh, militia. That's right. Right, Because if you, if first one fails, if, you, if uh, what's his face again? Dave Chappelle says, you know, the First Amendment is about freedom of speech. If that fails, then you protect it with guns. Yeah. Right. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll go a bit into this passage, mm. uh, sorry, this extract from Douglas Murray's uh, book, The Madness of Crowds. I'm not sure if you've read it. No, I haven't. No, no. No. So there's an interesting when he, he goes in, uh, and sits in a conference, which you can't do anymore. Uh, well, it's a women's conference, and they're talking about the power. It's a, there's another thing which keeps coming up. And okay. so I'll read it now. When, when, when was the book written, sorry? Uh, it was written last year. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Very, so very recently. Yeah. Okay, I don't then. think I've seen yeah. it at any Australian bookshop. I think it's, it's all online. So okay. I had to go on there. Mm. All right. Uh, so, right, this is from his book, The Madness of Crowds. So the most striking thing is that there appears to be a set of confusions centering around the issue of power. Every discussion so far has centered on the presumption that almost all relationships in the workplace and elsewhere are centered around the exercise of power. Knownly or otherwise, these women have all imbibed the Foucauldian worldview in which power is the most significant prism of understanding human relationships. What is striking is not just that everyone seems to have been have paid lip service to this, but that these women are focused on only one sort of power. This is a sort of power which, it is presumed, has historically been so held solely by mainly old, mainly rich, always white men. It is why the joking and berating about the behaviors of alpha male goes down so well. There is a presumption that if the male and uh, if the alpha and maleness could be squashed out of these people in some great majestic social justice blending device that a power squeeze out of them might be drunk up by these women like these in the room today, that it will be used to nourish and grow those who deserve the power more. 
And here are the deep waters, but I suggest in my contribution that our conversations are being limited by this misunderstanding. Even if we concede, which we should not, that power, rather than say love, is the most important force guiding human affairs, why are we focusing only on one type of power? There certainly are types of power, such as rape, which men can sometimes hold over women, and there's a type of power which some old, typically white males, be able to hold over less successful people, including less successful women. But there are other types of power in this world. Historical old white men power is not the only so- such source. Are there not, not, after all, some powers which only women can wield? Like what? Someone asks. At which point, having waited in this far, it only makes sense to wait further. A- and he talks in about what power does women hold that men don't have? It is the power to drive men crazy. <laughs> <laughs> to to throw everything away, to throw jobs away, to throw your reputation away, just to chase you know that fleeting moment with that woman that you love. Yes, and I think that 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 is that is one thing he addresses that men don't have. <laughs> but but you see, like you know, if we, if we I, I would how say how do we resolve that power balance? Well, we've got to squeeze it out of these old white men, mm-hmm. transfer it to the woman, and therefore yeah. you know it, utopia. This, I, I, this is, I think he's got a point. Often. Often this is a, it's, it's a worldview issue here, that um, power, wealth, um, privilege, it's as if, th- think of it almost like this is pie, for example, and there's only so much pie to go around, and it has to be divided up amongst people, and old, uh, the uh, leftist idea is that it's privileged old white men uh, who get a massive chunk of power, and then the rest is divvied up for uh, the minorities, uh, women, um, different people of different um, sexual orientations or genders, or, or sorry, genders or races, things like that. On the right, though, on the right, on on the conservative, on the right side of politics, the idea is: hey, right now we have, right now we have um, this this pie, this amount of power. Let's go make more. Let's go, and and when you have more, then it can get shared around equally. Yeah, uh, I think well, actually, that's right. Sorry, I'll rephrase that because it's not it's not it's not a matter that you can you get shared around equally. It's that more it's more there's more to go around amongst the other people. Just an update after recording, I'll make a correction that the ABC article was about an ongoing inquiry, not a court trial. Since the release of the report in 2019, the ABC released another video on their Facebook page and blacked out the shooting, but it has been reported to be taken down. I think what we've understood from listening to the dialogue and of the event is there's a theme of power that is understood, that is power in the authoritarian or wealth aspects, which is held with the highest contempt by those who don't have that not realizing that there's other types of power. The media personify themselves as keepers of secrets and guardians of the truth, acting on behalf of the public to expose the corruption to bring down the powerful. But who has appointed them to such authority, and what are their terms of reference to govern how they act? What happens if someone is wrongly accused? 
We have our universities teaching young people journalism ethics, yet it seems so laughable because the journalists are beholden to an old, outdated publishing system that can't compete with social media and reduced to clickbaiting. Where is the old tradition of facts for the readers so that we, the people, can make our own opinion and judgment? And now, back to the show. That power can only be divvied up in this little pie, yeah. rather than you can grow the pie yeah, and exactly. make, give everyone power. Exactly. Because... What's the most recent thing that happened last year, which goes against the old, uh, against the idea that, you know, only old white dudes have power? Well, you know, the climate emergency, Greta Thornburg, yeah. you know, 16-year-old autistic girl from Sweden. That's right. Is shaking hands with the EU, the UN, is causing all these disruptions around mm. the world, you know, for climate change. Absolutely. She has power. Yes, she does. Yeah. A great, and a great, a great, we ignore that because, you know, it's not institutionalized. It's not money. But she has the power and she can easily put out a tweet and just say, we're going to organize a, um, a protest and block and all people, these roads. And, and then will it will paralyze, well, I can't, I'm not sure about we're going to paralyze any further than what's going on with coronavirus, but <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah, it's no, no more protests. <laughs> yeah, you can't protest. You have to be four meters away. Uh, yeah. A very lo- a loosely formed protest, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she has power. The, like, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, re- the reason why the the argument or the the line of power is only held by rich old white men isn't being discussed or used is because Greta Thunberg runs completely opposite to that idea. So we don't talk about it or, or, or rather the ABC won't, won't mention it. But if you, if some, if the, if the media is focused then on someone who does fit those characteristics of they, they are older, they are white and they are male then that argument gets pulled forward. Yeah. Like, Greta Thornburg has freedom of speech. She does, yes. Right. No, no one's suppressing her. Or maybe like right. some online person, oh, we're trolling her, making fun of her. But no one's suppressing her. Like, yeah. Everyone's listening to her. Yeah. Um, if, she, if she takes, you know, oh, I'm being suppressed mm. as someone doesn't like, agree with me, that's not... That's not... No one's suppressing that. So you could say that... Gre- well, would you say that Greta Thunberg is a fan of uh, one President Donald Trump? No, have you seen that picture where he stares at her? I, I did see that picture. Um, if Donald and she was and she was in New York, she was within American jurisdiction. If Donald Trump or if Donald Trump was infringing on her freedom of speech, he could have called in the police or a SWAT team to take her away and throw her in a gulag. Yeah. The fact that that didn't happen, the fact that that doesn't happen, mean means by default that she has freedom of speech she yeah. can, and she's exercising it and so it's ridiculous when you go back to the abc panel oh it's about you know the again it's the, it's, the que- it's the quest for this it, this uh mythical victor or this this the quest for victimhood it's the quest to be the david and Gol- david in the david and goliath story and to be seen like the underdog seen seen as the underdog yeah um and it it's a race to the bottom it really is no one wins no no no, no one wins but and Everyone loses because if our me- if our media is so intently focused on winning this ideological battle, they're not actually doing the job that they are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be informers. In- well, they're supposed to be they're supposed to be informers, information brokers. Yeah, they're supposed to be providing the Australian people with information they can use to equip and educate themselves. Now, admittedly. Um, but that's not, not ha- that's not happening. That's not happening. And again, that's not the media direct, 100% thrown at the feet of the media. It's your fault that 
that the Australian people are not educating themselves. It's equal responsibility, but they have a job to do and they're not doing it. They're much more interested in going to panels here and complaining that they don't have enough power. Did you, did you uh, it just brought up to mind, did you see that video recently where it goes, um, Donald Trump's asked about the China virus? Um, yeah, so, so the media goes, you know, why do you keep talking about the China virus? You know, it's, it's not from China, it's, it sounds racist. It's like us Americans, us, people around the world are worried about recession, they're worried about not enough toilet paper, they're worried about food. And the journalist here is saying, why is Donald Trump calling this virus China virus? <laughs> Call it Corona. Call it, call it something else. Yeah. You know, it sounds very racist when you say it like that. And he goes, it's, it's from China. Why? Because, right because what actually happened was, you know, the Chinese government actually said it, it came, well, they admitted a sudden Wuhan and they had the doctors, you know, uh, yep. whistleblowers out there. Now it's changed to a narrative where it's, oh, it's the US soldiers causing the coronavirus. Yes, I did, I did hear yeah. that, that story coming out of China. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, what, what's, fu- what's funny is um, I, I, I saw a bunch of headlines from... Um, Saw a bunch of headlines from the from Washington Post, New York Times, and it was, um, I think it was something like China has um, China has sa- has helped save the world by helping to contain the COVID nineteen virus, something like that. Yeah, America has squandered. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what what China has done, uh, okay. and it's it seems to me at least when I look at it, the media is uh, int- the media interested in playing politics. Fighting and fighting these petty, mud-throwing battles back and forth, instead of doing the actual jobs. I certainly think, growing up, I didn't watch a lot of the ABC. Um, it wasn't a thing that was on in the house. More recently, over the last two years, I've started watching it more because I, I wanted to know. I wanted to see, understand what it was they were talking about. In the morning, I've actually found I've actually found surprisingly enough the meat that the ABC do actually do a decent job of covering issues that the, the morning shows in, on Channel 9 and Channel 7 don't bother doing. The evening stuff gets um, delves into more biased politics, and that is, that is a problem because what they're doing is they're tackling a, a complex, complex issues from a political lens. Yeah. Yeah. I want to move into... Uh some of this uh, article that I think I selected. So it was, um, what's his name? Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Okay. Yep, so he wrote the Gulag Ar- Archipelago. Right, yes. And he gave this speech in Harvard in 1978. Mm. And uh, I think it's actually well written for a, a time. Yeah. So I'll just start it from there. So it's, uh, it's called The World Split Apart. And I'm just reading from the direction of the press and his commentary on it. So... The press, too, of course, enjoys the widest freedoms. I shall be using the word press to include all media, but what sort of use does it make of this freedom? Here again, the main concern is not to infringe the letter of the law. There is no moral responsibility for defamation or disproportion. What sort of responsibility does our journalist have to his readers or to history? If they have misled public opinion or the government by inaccurate information or wrong conclusions, do we know of any cases of public recognition or rectification of such mistakes by the same journalist or the same newspaper. No, it does not happen, because it would damage sales. A nation may be the victim of such a mistake, but a journalist always gets away with it. 
one may safely assure that he will start writing the opposite with renewed self-assurance. So I just pause it quite there before we continue. So, you know, there's a discussion on mainstream media, the government. Some of the stuff that comes up to me is they can, they're not accountable or they can easily put an opinion out there or, or wrong information. But once it's out there, it, the damage is done. That's right. Yeah. So when do we ever hear such small things? It's probably like misprinted. We've made a mistake, but they're not held accountable, right? There, no. There's no finance or there's, there's no you know penalty. There's no jail. There's no money. Um, someone could easily die because of the wrong formation, yes. which causes, you know, it caused, it caused some backlash in other countries, mm-hmm. which caused riots and it hurt the, some other people from that country who That's right. were broadcasting the information. Yeah, there, 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 is, there is no tangible form of um, consequence for those actions. Um, often there is a, um, what's the word, a rebuttal? No rebuttal. Um, Oh, is it an apology or something like that? Or yeah, there's another word for it. It starts with R or something. I can't remember. Yeah. That's all right. Um, Retraction. That, that's there you it. go. Yeah, that's it. There we go. We got it eventually. Um, yeah, so th- there is the form where they will offer a, retra- a retraction of what they've said and they'll reprint, but... No one cares. Is no there, one cares. there any move no, on? <laughs> no. Um, you, 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 you slander the wrong... You, write, you misprint, you um, mis- mislabel, uh, you slander the wrong, the, the wrong person... They're scarred for life. There's there's no getting around that, and espe- and especially in our daily uh, daily media news cycle that, that we are living at the moment, um, and the fact that when something is pub- we're often told careful careful what you type uh, when you type onto social media because it stays there forever. You can't get it down the moment you hit enter. Uh, we're, to- we're that that was ingrained to me as a um, growing up through school and social media was a. Not a new phenomenon, but it was an emerging. It was emerging, emerging phenomenon, and um, that lesson seems to have skipped completely over the heads of um, media today. Mm. All right, uh, continuing. So, yeah, please. Uh, because instant and credible information has to be given, it becomes necessary to resort to guesswork, rumors, and suppositions to mm. fill in the voids. None of them will ever be rectified. They will stay on in the reader's memory. How many hasty, immature, superficial, misleading judgments I express every day, confusing readers without any verification. The press can both stimulate public opinion and miseducate it. Thus, we may see terrorists heroized or secret matters pertaining to one's nation's defense publicly revealed, where we may witness shameless intrusion on the privacy of well-known people under the slogan, everyone is entitled to know everything. But this is a false slogan characteristic of a false error. People also have the right not to know, and it's much more valuable one. The right not to have their divine souls stuffed with gossip, nonsense, vain talk. A person who works and leads a meaningful life does not need this ex- excessive burning flow of information. Mm. And, you know, we, we talked, it's, it's already hinted here about na- national defense. Like, does it need to be publicly revealed? Like, what's the damage going on in there? Mm. Uh, and it comes, it comes back to the issue, you know, special forces, being exposed uh, that that is an ongoing trial yeah it, like you've publicly released that evidence mm. out there aren't you going to compromise that trial yeah yeah um well it's it's the same when there's when there's a high profile murder trial going on um or in actually any high profile trial the media will often start talking about it. they are they are by default polluting the juror pool because jurors have to go in as to try to help 
you know, participate in the trial process. And more often than not, they are coming in uh, with, with their phones attached to their hip, filled, filled with um, article and story on their newsfeed about that trial they're about to go in and participate in. Yeah. So, um, and and one, one other thing that brought up to my mind, I think it was a while ago that the ABC put out, you know, Edward Snowden, he put out yes. his leaks. Yeah, that's right. And it was actually, it was classified secret. Mm. These secret classified PowerPoints for these politicians. Yeah. And they put it on the ABC website. It was about the Indonesian um, <laughs> spying that they did. Yeah. And so what happened? The, Indonesia reacted. They've got to you know, save face, so they close down all the relations with Australia. Yeah, that's right. The damage is out there. Like, yeah. But it's not like Indonesia is innocent in this case because I'm pretty sure whenever they send people over here, their foreign intelligence services, they also have, you know, they're spying in Australia. Of course. There's es- that's espionage. There's, es- there's espionage and counter-espionage and there's this entire... That's how part of the geopolitical system works. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the ABC put it out there and it caused damage. They could yes. have caused someone's business to close down. Yeah. Um, they could have caused you know, exports to close down with Indonesia. Or they, but, you're forget, sh- but you're forgetting. They got the story. They got the clicks. They got the clicks. They got the money. Yeah. And we can and move we, on. And then we move on. And again, go back to, go back to Peter Grester's, um little segment that he was talking about, or his seg- the segment you were playing before, um, where... We are living in a daily news cycle, so things are moved. The, the stories, the news, it moves so quickly. Um, I to- I totally get his point, and this is a, then what we're seeing in the ABC. The way that they are, well, not just, not just the ABC actually, the way that Australian media companies operate, the practices they operate. It's it's actually unfair for me to. To, or to use the ABC as this catch-all phrase, but I should be referring to it as the Australian media, all these different organisations and companies. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. You know that, that hot yeah, mic yeah. moment with journalists? Yes, that's right. That, that, yeah. That was... That was suppressed. That was suppressed. Yeah. Who, ha- who but, has but the power? But the, the media is the guard in the truth. Are you, mm. are you sure? I mean, you've just suppressed this. Your, your boss, your producer suppressed that thing. Told, told, told the reporter... Um, we've just caught this guy. Um, what, what was he? Was he was admitting that he um, was trafficking trafficking women? Yeah. There you go. Well, and he was a pedophile. Well, <laughs> hey. Well, last time I checked, he was a old, very wealthy white guy. Oh. I mean, isn't he with all the power in the world? Exactly. The unfortunately the re- unfortunately the reason I think that the media didn't um, reveal him at the time was because he was protected was because he ideologically, he lined up with or agreed with ideas, values, principles of the left, that the, of the left, and the media agreed with him on that. So they were protecting him. So wait, what, what do you mean he's, he's aligned with the values of the left? What do you mean? Well, you said it yourself. He was, he yeah, was he, protected he, because he... Because he chose the same... He, he ideally believed, believed in the same ideological values and principles of the left. He was a progressive. He was a Democrat. Yeah. Well, I know, I know he's uh, he had Bill Clinton for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, right. he rubs, he, well, Jeffrey Epstein rubs shoulders with the rich and the famous, um, both po- in the political world, in the entertainment world, the, and the media were complicit in protecting him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. Anyway, um, we, can, we, can, we can go into yeah. Jeffrey Epstein's so much. The Mess 
for that could that could be another episode in and of itself. Oh man, yeah. Very, sh- very shady, very shady, and very horrifying stuff. All right, yeah. back to Solson. It's in the hastiness and yeah, su- superficiality. Hastiness and superficiality are the psychic disease of the 20th century, and more than anywhere, this disease is reflected in the press. Mm. In-depth analysis of a problem is anathema to the press. Mm. It stops at sensational formulas. Such as it is, however, the press has become the greatest power within the Western countries, more powerful than the legislature, the executive, and the judiciary. One would then like to ask, by what law has it been elected, and to whom is it responsible? In the Communist East, a, jo- a journalist is frankly appointed as a state official. But who has granted Western journalists their power, and for how and for long a time, and with what prerogatives? There is yet another surprise from someone coming from the East, where the press is rigorously unified. One gradually discovers a common trend with preferences uh, within the Western press as a whole. It is a fashion. There are generally accepted patterns of judgment, and there may be common corporate interests. The sum effect being not competition but unification. Enormous freedom exists for the press, but not for the readership, because newspapers mostly give enough stress and emphasis to those opinions which do not too openly contradict their own and a general trend. And so that was Alexander Solzhenitsyn's mm. 1978 Harvard speech: "A world split apart." Okay. So I mean, uh, for Solos, uh, so you know, for Solzhenitsyn, he knew he was stirring hornet's nest. Mm. So the academics, the press, were yearning for something from the writer, who was exiled from the USSR, so yeah. the, the former Soviet Union, and he, moved he, to the US to criticize. And they thought he was going to criticize communism mm. uh, and, and praise the Americans. But what he wrote this speech uh, was to reflect the decaying hearts of Western society back th- back at them. So at, that, yeah. at, at the beginning, yeah. he spoke, you know, I speak as a friend mm. and he speaks like a prophet, but, you know, he was, he might be him too harsh. Mm. So one thing is that uh, when he, so when a secretary was translating this speech and from Russian into English for the yeah. translator, uh, she actually cried to Solzhenitsyn's wife and said, you know, he will not be forgiven for this. And uh, I think <laughs> the president might have been Carter yeah. and the media ostracized him say if you don't like the US go back to your country which <laughs> which you know it's ironic that now the media says you know we want to welcome everyone in but yeah. back then they're saying you know you don't like the US uh, you're a communist spy go back mm. to your own country but he was if you don't know Solzhenitsyn he was in the gulags after, during the World War II yeah. eventually he wrote the books and then eventually he was expelled from the USSR mm. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think this is a powerful speech that everyone yeah. should read. What do you think? Was he a man of his time, or a man of head of his time? Really, I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd argue he's a man of head, man of head of his time. Um, what he's what he's saying is quite prolific. He, it's a mistake I think to assume even at the time of writing that you've got. The, uh, you've got the Soviet Union, you've got Russia versus the United States, the Cold War. Um, it's a mistake to assume that Russia was ba- Russia is the bad guy and America is the good guy and that America can never become like Russia. It's a mistake to think that. that think that. He's, look, he's looking at America and reflecting that it is easy for, Amer- for a country like America or any country to fall into the trap that the so that Soviet Russia fell into, of the media becoming essentially a proxy of a proxy spokesperson of the government. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. it's become so powerful. Like he's yeah. saying it's more power than the three branches of the U.S. government, yeah. the executive, legislature. Well, well the media and, in the U.S. is called the fourth estate. Yeah. It, hold, it holds, the ba- holds the balance in check. And that, and that, and that's its right, and that is its rightful place. Mm. And it's he, designed to, but it's designed to inform. Again, what is the purpose of the news, of the media? Their job should be to inform the people, to keep them educated. But instead, we've fallen into an into an ideological trap of: is my media source aligned to the right or aligned to the left? And we spoke at the start about individual human humans are behind the keyboards, and they have in, they have a political bias inherent in them because they are humans. They see the world a particular way, and that's fine. But as a go, as a collective group, different media companies, you'll often be able to I'll say. You'll have to look at their at their work product of what they produce of what they say, and go, oh, you align to the left or the right, or sometimes sometimes in the middle, but more often, one or the other. That's not healthy. That's not that's not a good thing to to exist in because you don't have voices saying, hey, I might particularly believe in this particular idea, and I might lean this way, but here are the facts. Here are the different positions left and right, you, the reader, you are an intelligent thinking person, you decide. I'm not going to tell you what to believe, what to think. The reason why that doesn't happen, though, is because by giving the power to back to the people to make up their own mind means means that the media doesn't hold the power anymore. Or at least they don't hold the power they think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it it goes back to... Do your research. Yes, absolutely. Listen to more than one channel. Yeah, um, um, I, I listen to both sides, as you said, yeah. and make your own judgment. Absolutely. And the questions I think that would help you is, you know, when you listen to read, we read an article, we listen to something online. You go, mm-hmm. what makes sense? What needs further research? Does the person that I would disagree with have any merit in the argument? Mm-hmm. So if I hear an opinion, which is, seems to be a lot happening these days, especially in the media, well. I looked on the ABC website, and, and if you go to news, sometimes it goes analysis and opinions, and they put it up front. Yeah. So that is equivalent of your front page for your newspaper. That's right. Because what's the header? That yeah, that is, the front page of your newspaper is equivalent to the very top of your website. Mm. Yeah. And so they put these ones out. It's like, well, okay, I might disagree, but does that person have any merit? Like, is there any point that feels uncomfortable? But I can probably dig a little bit deeper. In oh, absolutely. Um, and what do I need? Yeah. Do I need to rethink my opinions? Mm. Uh, given this new information, what do I need to do and who do I need to tell or what do I need to find out? Mm. I think that's what people are missing out on. It's yeah. just, I'll believe whatever thing that's put out there. Well, I'll believe the analysis or I'll believe the opinion that's given yeah. there, not the news. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, can remem- I can remember back in grade school learning the difference between fact and opinion. It was an exercise. It was a game. We were given different statements or phrases and we were asked, Work out are they facts or are they opinions, and we had to learn the difference. Now I don't think, well, opinion is put forward as fact. My, this, it's a bit of a ludicrous notion, but the notion of my truth. There is that's one, the relativism thing. Yeah, there, there is one. There is one truth, or uh, there is the truth, and then there is opinions around that. Well, they say that the only truth is subjective truth, which is. Which beats itself on on its head. Like you oh, just you, you might just say you know it's a one ended stick. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. There, 
Are you serious? <laughs> the only the only truth, the objective truth, is that there is subjective truth. It's this, or that everyone. Oh, it's the snake eating its own tail. Yeah, like the the objective truth is all truth is subjective. <laughs> what yeah. the heck? It's not a, it. It's it's not a worldview you can base base yourself on because you're constantly slipping over over yourself over its illogical inconsist over its inconsistencies. I like this uh, example, which was given to me. Um, I think Ravi Zacharias was saying it. Yeah, it was. A, he was trying to challenge a philosopher who was saying, "You know, there's only subjective truth." Mm. And you know, in India, you know, we also believe in objective truth. But this person counters it and writes this convoluted expression, saying, "You need to think of it through a, you know, a relativist perspective, and everything will make sense." But he says, "Well, you know, are you saying that the only way?" to understand that view is your view which yeah. because which now moves into exclusivism rather mm. than this relativism idea yeah. and because even in india uh when i cross the road i look both sides left and right because it's me or the bus yeah if it's both then it's something really bad <laughs> exactly that's that's pretty well said actually yeah. um Oh yeah. There's one more point I want to I want to push out yeah. before we finalize this. But like you know, the other, the idea is don't rely on government authority for all your solutions, which is what the media, funnily enough, is screaming about. Yeah. Whenever we we go into crisis, oh governments, please help us. You yeah. know, work on your own self before you start telling people to do. Mm. Uh, there is there is power in taking responsibility and ownership of a problem. So taking care of yourself taking ownership rather than just giving it up to someone else to fix you know there is i think when you actually go through that trial or you when you had to work hard you find meaning in that absolutely and, and understanding what the so what factor is so what is the immediate action uh that people are calling for so so when they say this when they say we need to work on this we need to work on it now how does it affect me and how does it address the problem so when i when I see the climate change issue, right, mm. there's many angles of attack in this issue. So there's sure. the farmers, there is the people in the city, there's this country city, right? So what the city people want? They want, you know, solar panel cars, electric cars, or something, something that's cheap, doesn't rely on fossil fuels, yeah. plastic, uh, plastic straws will be banned, all that's that kind right. of stuff. No, no, sing, no but, single use plastics. But what, what's the country people? <laughs> single use plastic. Uh, we, again, we could, we could go into yeah. that. But That's what's, what's the country people were looking yeah. at? They're looking at I'm I'm growing a, I have a farm, so I got to worry about water. Am I getting uh, am I vulnerable to droughts? Yeah. So when you have these two views coming in for the climate change thing, mm. and you step in to have the government look after it, what do they do? Well, they're going to commission a study, right? Yeah. So it's not going to happen now. It's going to happen yeah. like a few years later down the, down the track. Yeah. And then even though you're saying as a farmer, you're saying I want to you know fight climate change. Well, maybe the more it, 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 this study comes out and it goes, well, we need to assign money to the city people rather than you. Mm. So it, you might you be careful what you wish for and you yeah. might not get what you want. Oh, well, the, Mar the Murray-Darling Basin, there was a report commissioned, I think, by the Victorian government. Um, and the, the Murray-Darling Basin, as I understand it, a very small sliver of it or small part of it goes into Victoria or at least the, fa the, the, far, the farms that sit on its border. Just a, a small bit uh, across into Victoria much more sit in New South Wales. But anyway, the Victorian government, uh, state government, they commission a report and they're talking about environmental damage, climate change, and they determine we need to restrict water supply to, to save the Murray-Darling Basin. All of the New South Wales farmers put up their hand going, hang on, if you do that, it's going to make out cause our farms to 
shut down. We can't keep them going. We'll have to pack up and leave. State, the Victorian state government going, we don't care. We don't mind. Yeah. Uh, so, again, if you... Stop falling into this trap of asking the government to fix everything for you. Well, again... Like, I would rather... Because what's going to happen? Well, set up a, uh, well, in fact, we actually had a Department of Climate Change a while ago. Yeah. You know, Kevin Rudd. Yeah. Funnily enough, it didn't do much and then we closed it down. Yeah, pretty um, much. But, like, we're going to set up this bureaucracy. We're going to pay these public servants to do these all these studies. Yeah. How about give me the $1,000 and I'll fix my farm? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the idea that... You can, if you get enough smart people in the room, you'll eventually be able to solve the problem. No. Off, more often than not, it just requ- it actually requires the person on the ground in the community working together to solve, and they can and they can solve a lot of problems. But this person is dislocated from your community. Yeah, he's sitting in Canberra. You might yeah. be in New South Wales or you might be in somewhere in yeah. Melbourne or or Brisbane. Yeah. It's the it's the idea that a big government will solve it solve all the problems and that's often what the media it's what the media are asking for well that's what they say like we want to know the truth what are you going to do write a letter to the government are you yeah. serious that's what she said it it does and it's ineffective it doesn't actually solve anything no. um but that that unfortunately is i think the flaw it is the flaw in the the far left-wing worldview that the government can and will solve all the world's problems and bring about this grand utopia if you give them enough power and if you get and if you let them go ahead and, and enact their green new deals and climate change proposals as, as much as they want if you let them do it we'll get utopia yeah. uh any last words for the listeners any last words we've been talking about the media how the media is talking about the necessity of power the necessity of free of freedom to know I'd say exercise your freedom to know. Look at, look at the, the articles that you're reading. Critically think. think. Think critically about the information you're consuming each day. Look at who's writing it. Look at the company that is producing it. And then play, I'd argue play as devil's advocate. It's an exercise I like to play myself when I'm, make, I'm, I'm, make, I'm holding myself to account. I'm making sure that the news and the information that I consume is to the best of my ability, um, as unbiased or as unfiltered as, as as I can, play the exercise of, of playing devil's advocate and go, okay, here is one position and it kind of agrees with what I kind of think. Let's play the other side. Let's try to argue it from the other point of view, other side's point of view. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do that. Look at if if you sit on the right, read read sources or, or read news articles that are being published by right wing people. But then go across across the aisle, go across to the left wing sources and read them. If you're sitting on the left, read read your read left wing articles absolutely. But then go and read someone from the right and see their their point of view. You challenge yourself absolutely. Yeah, um, that is that is actually exercising your right to know. Absolutely. ABC's Your Right to Know campaign is seeking freedom of speech and appealing for rights written in law to protect them. The media portray themselves as independent but engage in issues such a way that they have political influence. As Solzhenitsyn spoke in 1978, 
there's an accepted trend that the media will put out there. They themselves have become as powerful as the government itself, but how are they held accountable? I'm not sure about you, but to give laws in favour of the media when it's already powerful doesn't seem right. How do we put them in check? Another thing to discuss is where is your freedom of speech and how do we protect it? The Australian media hops on about the US Bill of Rights and the protection of freedom of speech in the First Amendment, but ignores the cultural differences and the context that the Bill of Rights holistically provides to the people. That is, some of the uncomfortable truths that the media and Australians will shy away from, such as the right to bear arms, the right for due process and speedy trials, and the powers not delegated to federal government. I thank Patrick once again for joining me, and for you, the listener. Your feedback is important to us, so please email us and even drop voicemails. Email us at thefireinthedesert at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and share with your friends. Every bit of support is important, including yours. Music, Outfoxing the Fox by Kevin McLeod at incomtech.com. <laughs>